Welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Juwan Kim Serato, Executive Committee Member of the Antitrust UCL and Privacy Section of the California Lawyers Association. I'm the host for today's episode, which is being recorded on location at the 2019 California Lawyers Association Annual Meeting in Monterey, California. I'm the U.S. Head of Data Protection, Privacy, and Cybersecurity at Norton Rose Fulbright and partner in our San Francisco office. Joining me now, I have Jose Lopez, Elisa Hall, and Njeri Mutura. Before we get to our topics, please tell us more about yourself. Where do you work and what do you do? Let's start with guest number one, Jose. Yes, my name is Jose Lopez. I'm a senior director of M&A Legal at Samsung Next. Samsung Next is Samsung's innovation center in the Silicon Valley. And I focus on M&A transactions, venture investments, and general corporate compliance. And Jerry? Good morning. I'm Jerry Matura, and I'm a senior corporate attorney at Microsoft. I support the enterprise commercial business in the West region of the United States, sitting out in Southern California. And um, I deal with transactional matters as it relates to um, cloud services, AI, and disruptive technologies and the terms around that and privacy is very alive and well in my world. Elisa? Hi, I'm Elisa Hall. I'm the Director of Privacy and Compliance at eBay and we're based in San Jose um, and I'm responsible for a lot of product counseling related work in the privacy space and also privacy compliance. Great. And the four of us just uh, spoke on the panel this morning at CLA annual meeting uh, with the topic of data is the new oil, antitrust and privacy issues. And for a lot of the listeners, those two topics might not be the the, the easiest two to put together. Um, Does privacy uh, have any impact on competition? Do we believe that uh, some of the privacy requirements that are coming down the pike, uh, for example, the California Consumer Privacy Act, does that help to level the playing field um, if data can be made portable uh, so that the smaller companies can have access to the same data to build their products and services? Or does the compliance burden that comes from these new privacy laws actually make it prohibitive for smaller companies um, or really any companies to enter the market altogether? Jose? Yeah, I think the, the way that we're uh, addressing the question privacy and antitrust uh, is really unique in the sense that uh, I'm not sure that we have uh, extreme clarity about how those uh, two topics uh, interplay uh, in terms of clear guidelines for practitioners. Uh, with, with GDPR, with the CCPA coming up, we do have a robust uh, you know, body of, of, uh, of laws, guidelines, uh, you know, practitioner kind of tips uh, for best practices. Um, I'm not sure that that's the case just yet with respect to anti-competitive uh, behavior and privacy. So, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the implications for, for competition out of the CCPA, I think there's a little bit of a tension there. I think, you know, the data portability component, uh, you would think, is a very pro-competitive uh, portion of the CCPA. The ability to take your data from uh, one provider to the next uh, would 
presumably foster competition among those players. Um, I do think it's a little bit of an open question in the sense that uh, we have other examples where portability is available to customers. Uh, I'm not sure everybody always uses it. You know, we have the ability, for example, to take our cell phone numbers from mobile carrier to mobile carrier. Uh, I personally haven't done that a ton, and I don't think that that's a very prominent feature. I think people tend to be, you know, brand loyal. And so uh, we may find uh, that after uh, this data portability, uh, you know, component is, is requirement is, is rolled out that the brand loyalty and the value, the trust uh, implicit in that customer relationship may be hard to break, even though you're technically able to take your data somewhere else. Um, you know, and on the flip side, uh, where we see uh, requirements and, and compliance obligations that may, you know, not promote competition uh, is really the compliance burden uh, in the rest of the CCPA. I think there's a number of of requirements that will take uh, significant architecture redesign and compliance, you know, overhauls and you know the implementation of not just new privacy policies, but really on the back end, uh, you know, working with you know the broader product and company teams to make sure that the CCPA uh, compliance uh, approach is really permeating uh, throughout the company. I think that's something that, that that complexity, the resources required, the experts that you need to bring in, the, the developers and, and engineers required to make those changes, I do think that that complexity really benefits incumbents. So I'm not sure that we have a clean anti-competition narrative that you could say about the CCPA because you have on the one hand the data portability that is, uh, you know, in effect uh, promoting competition, but the, the added uh, compliance burden may uh, prevent smaller players from being able to, uh, you know, act and uh, be as prominent in the marketplace in the same way as larger players. That's a really good point. Uh, Elisa, at eBay, let's say hypothetically you have another company uh, that might have a competing product. Hypothetically. 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 How important is this issue for, for you and, and for your company? Um, this, this, uh, this notion of data ownership, as, as Jose was saying, if, if you are the company who are, who's building a product um, or if you are the platform builder or maybe a service provider, who really owns that data? Is that the company that's, uh, that's building the product and really kind of putting the R&D behind uh, and improving the product and services? Or is that the end users? Is this an important question for eBay? Yes, it's definitely a very important question for eBay. I think privacy law and antitrust law would, would answer that question differently, the way, <laughs> in my view. I think under privacy laws, consumers ultimately are seen as the owners of the data because the way that privacy laws tend to work is that they give consumers certain rights to con exercise control over the use of their data. Um, and I think from that lens, the consumers are truly seen as the, quote, owners of of their data ultimately, whereas I think from an antitrust perspective, it's much more data is viewed as a company asset and is viewed as something that can potentially give companies a competitive advantage or disadvantage, depending on the case, based on the data that they have access to. So I think the question of ownership becomes a little bit complicated when at the intersection of these two laws, um, where we're seeing that 
customers have the ability to exercise certain control over the use of their data, but uh, antitrust authorities might want to divest that data and have companies be the ones that demand that companies share that data with others, and that might be counter to what the consumer might ultimately want to have done with their data. So I think those questions are uh, sometimes at odds, not always. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. Um, so. In terms of how this comes to head, um, you know, how do these kinds of privacy issues and antitrust issues really kind of become uh, become something that the companies really have to grapple with? Uh, CCPA has a private right of action that appears to do away with the harm requirement, which we believe is going to lead to more class action litigation. There's going to be more inquiries uh, from from private litigants that are trying to uh, basically understand how the companies are collecting and using the data. And um, and so is that, is that privacy litigation that's perhaps going to change the way that companies are, are uh, perhaps collecting and using the data? Is that going to change behavior? Or um, is that uh, is that something more than that? Uh, you know, is there uh, is there a kind of a push within the company, even outside of the, the threat of litigation, um, thinking about privacy as as a culture shift? That this is really something that is part and parcel to what you do. And and Jerry, I think you were kind of speaking to that um, in terms of how Microsoft looks at this question. Yes, um, definitely. I, I mean, I think that we've had the conversation about that we've seen the spate of laws. I mean, privacy is definitely alive and it's with us and it's not slowing down. I think there have been a series of, you know, I, I guess um, events that have actually made this come to the forefront. You know, when we talk about even before we talked about Cambridge Analytica or, you know, the various um, activities in Europe by, you know, spotted by Max Schrems. Before that, we did have the aspect of government. You know, there was, you know, Eric Snowden. and But now it's, it's kind of shifted. Now it's about, you know, privacy in the realm of the, com, you know, the company and, you know, in, in the private space. And, you know, individuals seem to be very aware that, you know, their data is important, that maybe their data might not be used in the manner in which they know about or that cons they consent. And so um, even just CCPA, for, one, for instance, is something that was was sprouted and it essentially came to light because of an individual wanting to see some difference in, in that regard. So individuals' consciousness as, around privacy is something that we're seeing. And for consumers and for customers, to be able to trust um, service providers who have their data, there definitely needs to be some a different shift. You know, And Microsoft is recognizing that and has done so for a while. So privacy by design, you know, and I think Alyssa mentioned it about you know, essentially having that throughout the life cycle of your, the development of your products and your services. Um, and then having just essentially a cultural shift, you know, amongst all the people who are, you know, interfacing with your customers and who are actually handling customer data. So regardless of the regulation, because it started and it's not going to slow down, we see it in California and we don't think this is the last one that we're going to see at a state level. We expect that we'll at some point see a federal um, law, and we're hoping that there will be consistency and, you know, guidelines that everybody can follow that, you know, will be essentially helpful as opposed to confusing. But all in all, regardless of the regulation, we're saying it's a best practice. It's good business sense, you know, to think about privacy, to be thinking about, you know, all of the notions of data management. So when we talk about the private law um, right of action, that definitely is sprouted in, you know, they're essentially being some form of a breach and in addition to that you know there's there's a definition of the exfiltration so essentially 
in order for a company to be sure that they are somewhat safeguarded against you know, being subject to a private right of action. It's just ensuring that they do have in place the necessary security um, controls because, of course, that is one of the components in order to, you know, safeguard the data in which they're holding and avoid breach. And um, and they also talk about, you know, it's, it's not very clear how that's going to actually be, you know, looked at when they are looking at the private right of action, but if you have taken the necessary measures in your organizations from a security perspective, and of course, in most cases, we're talking about you know having the right technology in place to be sure that you're safeguarding, you're encrypting the data, that you have good data management practices. Those are all um, factors that would likely be taken into account to mitigate you know the nature of your exposure when there is um, a private right of action that, that that comes to you. But essentially, we're saying a mindset shift, um, a cultural shift. And it just privacy being integrated into your day-to-day because it is big, good practice and um, it will safeguard you when you're faced with all of the, the different risks with, with the laws that we have. And Jerry, you bring up uh, two good points. One is you were talking about kind of GDPR, kind of starting this this movement, perhaps uh, EU authorities really kind of pushing the envelope um, in terms of the Schrems uh, decision, et cetera. Um, and also the second that, that really uh, this... The, whether you have a security breach or not, uh, whether you kind of have the right uh, programs in place to protect the data, that that really kind of becomes a, a mindset uh, shift. Um, if you look at the trend currently in terms of the regulatory fines, uh, Clearly, in the EU, we have seen some some bigger numbers in terms of fines that are coming out of the EU that are related to data breach. But um, is that interesting? Uh, and and what, what do you take away from the fact that the biggest fines so far relate to privacy uh, with regard to the use of data was, was not about breach? Um, it, it was the $5 billion fine uh, by the FTC, uh, which uh, seems to signal that even without a uh, malicious actor, you know, without a cyber hack or an actual kind of external penetration of, of the systems, that the, the use of data and really kind of a pure privacy question, putting aside security controls, perhaps is the, the new trend. Um, so I, I think that's uh, that's something that I think all privacy practitioners are kind of grappling with and uh, any companies that, that hold data are grappling with. And, and, and even more than that, um, it's not just monetary fines anymore. We are seeing from the antitrust regulators that um, if you are if you have these data monopolies, uh, quote unquote, uh, that they uh, they will be investigating whether uh, they need to be broken up. So uh, privacy questions uh, seems to be not just limited to monetary fines and perhaps litigation risk, but perhaps becoming existential questions for companies. That this is you know do or die. You gotta get this right because if you don't get this right, it's gonna have customer um, loss of trust. Um, that you could, your company could be, be split up um, in terms of antitrust issues and, and also have uh, very significant monetary penalties. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say that, I mean, you're very right. It, it definitely is um, an existential question because, and then there seems like even as much as a few years ago, privacy was seen, you know, it's, on its own. I mean, I, I think that it's, an, it's been a right in California. It's been you know, something that's recognized, but I think more so now, but the way that it's bleeding into other areas, you know, when you're talking about, you know, antitrust and you're talking about, even in in the, you know, talking about just cases of, you know, um, acquisitions and people have to look at privacy in all of those different realms. So it's definitely, um, 
it's, it's taking a it's, it's taking a different head and, and a different face and, and complexion that we are having to contend with. Jose, as M&A counsel, uh, is privacy due diligence uh, more important now than before? Absolutely. I think if we look at how privacy uh, appears on you know our, our risk profile of target companies, you know, just in the in the last seven or eight years, it's changed dramatically. Uh, you know, if we go back. Uh, to earlier in my career, uh, a couple of privacy questions would appear on a diligence questionnaire. Uh, now we have, you know, typically separate sessions, uh, sometimes for several hours, to try to understand the the architecture of a of a product, uh, of a target that we're interested in. Uh, you'll have uh, privacy experts uh, such as yourself come in and, and advise. Uh, acquires and, and some of the, the risk profiles associated with how data is uh, collected, processed, stored, uh, transferred. Uh, so it's just it's just night and day in terms of how uh, prominent a role it plays in uh, an acquirer's decision-making process. Uh, nobody wants to have you know a, a data breach headline, and nobody wants to have uh, the the bad PR associated with uh, having bad privacy practices, and so. Uh, it's something that executives are much more attuned to, uh, and and it plays a much bigger role in the diligence process than it did, you know, even you know five years ago. Elisa, uh, so as director of privacy, what would you recommend for companies that are trying to put all the pieces together? We're thinking about regulatory risk. We're talking about litigation. We're talking about M and A and uh, antitrust considerations. For for somebody who is um, on a day to day basis counseling um, your product teams, what can you do so that you're you're thinking about this in terms of risk, but also thinking about in terms of, of revenue and really kind of uh, being having privacy become a competitive advantage? Yeah, so I think a lot of it requires working not only with your with the product partners that you work with and the and the business clients, but also with other lawyers across your legal team to make sure that there's a coordinated approach and an understanding of all of these issues together, um, and making sure that the guidance that you're providing isn't just from one lens, but is really taking into consideration all of these different sometimes competing uh, interests, so that it really gives the the product and engineering teams and the business folks more clear direction about how they can incorporate all of these different different new challenges in the regulatory environment into how they're thinking about developing products and features and making sure that they're doing that in a way that's compliant not just with privacy laws but also these antitrust considerations and some other competitive concerns that can come into play. Um, I think it's also important to for all of us to just keep up on all of these new developments as they're occurring because they're they're occurring very rapidly and we're really starting to see regulators uh, doing things that are unique and different, you know, antitrust authorities enforcing data protection laws and the like, which is definitely a new hybrid situation. So just keeping a finger on the pulse of everything that's going on in the external environment there and always thinking about it with the lens towards how will this impact what we're doing here inside our company and what are the things that we might need to think about doing differently because of what we're seeing other companies facing in the external landscape. 
And in terms of keeping the, the finger on the pulse, I'm going to plug um, the California Lawyers Association. Uh, we are the, the state bar uh, for the practitioners in California. And if you want to continue having these conversations, very complex issues in antitrust, uh, UCL, and privacy, um, our section um, uh, is, is starting a privacy working group to think about all things data. Uh, we're also going to be looking very closely at the CCPA draft rules with sure um, issued on October 11th. And so if you're interested in um, being part of this group uh, to continue to look at uh, data as, as, a, as a valuable asset and the privacy laws uh, that will be regulating how companies uh, regulate, please, please join us. It looks like we've reached the end of the road for our episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. And if our listeners have any questions or wish to follow up, um, how can they reach you? I'm at Jose at SamsungNext.com. Jerry? Jerry M at Microsoft.com. Allie Hall at eBay.com. And I am Juwan Kim Serato. I think there's only one Juwan Kim Serato in the world. You can just <laughs> Google me or Bing me. <laughs> and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm Joan Kim Serato. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Uh-huh.